Outstanding. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate it very much. And uh, that's what today is all about. And uh, if you would take your Bible very quickly uh, this morning and turn to Matthew chapter number 2. Matthew chapter number 2. And as you're turning there, if you're able to physically stand, we'll uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read just verses 1 and 2. We'll look at several others as we go through the message uh, this morning. But uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And the Word of God says this, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. And Lord, thank you for the service thus far. It's been so sweet to be uh, with my brothers and sisters and my church family today. Uh, Lord, celebrating this special event, the birthday of the King. And God, I pray that you would help uh, during this portion of the service, Lord, to draw our attention to your word and, and to what you did for us. Help us, Lord, to have a greater appreciation for what you did for us. And um, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have a good, godly response to what you did for us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> so every year on December 25th, people all over the world celebrate the holiday called Christmas, which is the birthday of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just a reminder that this is what this day is really all about, because I hate to break it to you, it's not about a large man desperately in need of a diet wearing a red suit coming down the chimney, but it is about God coming down from heaven. It's all about when God became flesh and dwelt among us for the purpose of saving us from our sin. It's all about the Son of God becoming the Son of Man all in order that the sons of men could have the opportunity to become the sons of God. And this, this morning, for the next few minutes, I want to look at the birthday of the king and what this means to each and every one of us. Now, for the most part, the world will be throwing a big party today, but sadly, many will forget to invite the guest of honor. Much of this world reminds me of a story that I read of two women who were enjoying an expensive lunch in a downtown restaurant. It was extremely obvious that they were celebrating some important uh, event, some important occasion. And so when the waitress came and asked what the reason for this lunch was, one of the women said, well, we are celebrating my baby's birthday. But the waitress, seeing no child, said, well, where's the baby? Well, the mom said, well, you don't think I would bring the baby, do you? Why, he would ruin the whole party. Now, many people will celebrate today, but they sadly will not invite Jesus because they know that he would ruin their party. And yet, he is the very reason for the celebration to begin with. It is the birthday of the king. So let's dive in today and Look at this special event um, called Christmas, the birthday of the king. Let's look first of all today at the 
character of the king. In verse number, uh, verse number two, the wise men knew who, who the character of, of this story is, of, of who Jesus was. They, they knew that he was the king. In verse number two, it says, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Many kings have been born in the past, but this king was different. This king was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, in verse 13, he said, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this command without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only pontitate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Those are good words from the Apostle Paul to describe who this king is. In Revelation 17, in verse number 14, the Bible says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Revelation 19 and verse 16, the Bible says this about Jesus Christ, He hath on His vesture and on His thigh a name written, which is King of kings and Lord of lords. So that King that was born in Bethlehem's manger so many years ago was no ordinary King. He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I like what uh, S.M. Lockridge, Dr. S.M. Lockridge, he's a, a black preacher who preached uh, a message back in the 1970s. Uh, and part of that message, he talks about the fact that Jesus is my King. And I'd like to read it to you, and I'm not going to do near the justice that he would do. Uh, you'll have to go and watch it sometime online, but, um, but here's what he said about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He said, My king was born king. The Bible says he is a seven-way king. He is the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Now, that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? David said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is the only one whom there are no means of measure that can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supplies. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme and he's preeminent. Well, he doesn't just say well. He goes, well, <laughs> he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's a supreme problem in higher criticism. 
He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. That's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's a superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. Well, he's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He's a strong God and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a king of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. And he's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. That's my king. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His love never changes. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. And then he says, well, I wish I could describe him to you. <laughs> but he's indescribable. He's indescribable. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you the heaven of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explain him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you cannot live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And praise the Lord, the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him and there'll be nobody after him. You cannot, out you cannot impeach him and he's not going to resign. That's my king. That's my king. He says, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Well, all the power belongs to my king. And he said, we're, we're around here talking about black power and white power and green power. But look, it's God's power. Thine is the power and the glory. He says, we try to get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves, but the glory is all his. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. And he says, how long is that? And ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. When you get through with all the forevers, then amen. That's the character of the king. Uh, that's the one, ladies and gentlemen, who was born in Bethlehem's manger so many years ago. Not just an ordinary baby. Oh, no, no, this is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The character of the king. But I want us to see, secondly, here the coming of the king. When the, the, the king came, it was a special a coming indeed. There are a couple aspects I want us to consider here. First, the promise. 
You see, hundreds and even thousands of years before the birthday of the king, there were several promises about his coming, the fact that he would indeed come, and several aspects about it. The reality of his coming was way back thousands of years given by God to the serpent when he said in Genesis 3 and verse number 15 that reference to her seed was a reference to the virgin birth of the coming Messiah. So the fact that he was coming, the manner in which he would come, uh, which was by a virgin, was mentioned in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and uh, most of us are familiar with that. The, the location of where he would be born, uh, which of course was in Bethlehem, was found in Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2. So the Old Testament contains some 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled uh, when he came. The promises that were given so many years before his arrival that he fulfilled, those promises. Um, now, to help us understand the significance of Jesus' fulfillment of these prophecies, Peter Stoner in his book, Science Speaks, offers this well-known example, and perhaps you've heard this. Stoner hypothetically figures what the chances are of Jesus fulfilling only eight promises, eight prophecies. And even if Jesus fulfilled only eight prophecies, Stoner claims that the odds of this happening are one in 10 to the 17th power. That, that means there's one with 17 zeros after it. So that's one in 100 and, well, one with 10, or 17 zeros after it. A number so mind-boggling it's possible to, it's possible to grasp apart from an illustration. And here's the illustration he offers. Um, he, he, he says, envision... 10 to the 17 power silver dollars, that many silver dollars spread out over the entire state of Texas. Now, the silver dollars would cover the state of Texas two feet deep with that many uh, silver dollars. And then he said, now mark one of the silver dollars and then stir them all up. Now, that would be a big stir stick. Okay. Um, and then you blindfold a man and tell him he can go wherever he wants, but he's allowed to pick only one silver dollar out of the mass of silver dollars covering the entire state, two feet deep. Now, what are the chances of him picking up the marked silver dollar? Well, the same chances, same chance that the prophets had of writing out just eight prophecies that would be, fill, be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely astonishing. And if that's not convincing, I'm not sure what is, but, but here's the deal. If the odds of fulfilling eight prophecies seem staggering, imagine the math that goes on to, say, uh, the chances of him fulfilling 300 prophecies. And uh, brother, uh, brother Tom in our church, he um, did some math on it, and he said it is past the point of impossibility um, that, that, that that could happen and Jesus fulfilled every single one of them, which signifies the fact that He indeed is the Messiah, the promised Son of God. And so the promise of His coming, He fulfilled each and every one of those promises. But then the place of His coming was significant as well. I mean, here, the birthday of the king we're talking about this morning, and you would think that the king who is coming would, would come in great glory and splendor, especially the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But instead, Jesus was born in a very humble place instead. He was born in Bethlehem, and 
If your Bible is open to Matthew chapter 2, if you look in verse number 6, as the scribes and chief priests uh, explained to Herod where, um, where Jesus was going to be born, they referenced Micah 5 and verse 2, and here's what they said, Thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah. So out of all the different areas in Judah, Bethlehem was kind of the, um, you know, the armpit of Judah, so to speak. Okay, every state has a town like that. It's like, oh, you live there? Like, mm, sorry about that. Um, and, and boy, I tell you, every, I, I go around and uh, tell people I live in Moore, and they're like, uh, do you know there's like, that's like the tornado capital of the world? And I'm like, yeah, I know, I guess. Yeah, I, I know. Um, well, people went, when they, they didn't go, you, you're from Bethlehem? Ooh, that's pretty special. They're like, ooh, sorry about that. I'll be praying for you. Uh, Bethlehem was not a, not a metropolis. It was not a, a hub of activity. But, but yet God chose to uh, arrive and come to this world in a very humble place called Bethlehem. But not only was Jesus born in this obscure little town of Bethlehem, he was also, as most of us know, laid in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I... I I'm kind of glad that we're past the childbearing age, although famous last words, right? Abraham and Sarah, they thought this is not going to happen. So we better be careful. Uh, none of you better be laughing too much today because be careful. What Sarah got, was accused of laughing, and, and so she gave birth in a very uh, elderly state. So be careful about uh, laughing too much at this. But I think we're done with having children ourselves. Okay, uh, I think we're going to be moving on to eventually uh, down the road, in case Seth is watching online, uh, grandchildren down the road uh, several years. But um, I, I don't know that uh, I would, uh, my, my wife would be okay with, you know, going to like some backyard garage shed area and like giving birth to one of our children. I think she would be like, Eric, that's not on my birth plan. Because okay. we did have to write out a birth plan on like, you know, what we're going to do and all these things. That would not have been on the birth plan, okay? Let's go give birth and uh, lay this kid in like a feeding trough uh, right after he's born. That, that would be okay with her. No. I mean, you want to put it in like the, where like, like they have the heat lamps, you know what I mean? <laughs> where they kind of just like bake in that, you know, that, that heat lamp. Uh, that's what you want with, with the baby. But yet, that's not what Jesus came to do. He, he, he didn't come in a very uh, prominent place. He didn't come in very comfortable conditions. Uh, but he came in a very humble manner. And uh, reminds me of our memory verse that we, uh, many, we all said just a little bit ago. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. See, that's that, that, that whole where he came in Bethlehem and, and being laying in a manger just wrapped in swallowing clothes. What was his, him becoming poor for us so that through his poverty we might be rich. See, the place of his coming. But then I want us to see thirdly here the purpose of his coming. Why did he come? He came to be an example, yes. But most of all, 
He came to deliver us from our sin. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why He came. A lot of people misunderstood why He came uh, in His earthly ministry. Uh, they thought He came to deliver men from the oppression of Rome and to set up His earthly kingdom and, and deliver them from paying taxes and, and uh, remove us from some all these crazy laws that they had. And it was like, oh good, we finally have someone to deliver us uh, politically. That's not why He came. He came to offer a much greater freedom, the freedom from our sin. See, if our greatest need had been information... God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us a financial advisor. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But ladies and gentlemen, our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior in the form of Jesus Christ, the King that was born in Bethlehem's manger. So we see the coming of the king. But then lastly, I want us to notice here the choice regarding the king. The choice regarding the king. So we know he came. And we know where he came and you know why he came. We know who it was that came. But now, what does that have to do with you and I today on this Christmas in 2022? What are some choices that you and I ought to make when we consider the fact that this is the birthday of the king and not just any king, the king of the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords? I would say, first of all, the first choice we ought to make is the fact that we should receive him, receive the king. I think about these wise men who came that day to uh, signify that they acknowledged the fact that he was king and I would dare say they received him as king. But not everybody received him as king. In fact, there were uh, some characters here in this particular passage that uh, showed that not everybody was on board with the fact that there was a new king in town. Herod, of course, was very jealous and insecure. and He was a very ungodly individual. And uh, he did not receive the Lord Jesus as king. Uh, you may read verse number 8 and think, oh, uh, here he's saying, um, it says here, um, the king Herod sent them to Bethlehem, said, go search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Uh, there was zero sincerity in that statement. Uh, he was really just trying to figure out where he lived so that he could go and kill them so that his throne was safe because he thought that Jesus was going to take his throne. And, and Jesus wanted, that was too low of a goal for the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't come to take the throne of Herod. He came to th take the throne in each and every heart, including Herod's heart. And yet Herod had this uh, very insecure spirit and so much so that he wanted to destroy him and later did kill all the children in Bethlehem that were two years old and under. And, I mean, you talk about, you know, Christmas being a wonderful time of year and, and all positive. As you read through the biblical account of Christmas and especially Herod's response to it all, it was not positive. It was not full of joy and cheer. 
It was filled with jealousy and rage and anger and murder and deceit. It was pretty terrible. And then I think even of the scribes and Pharisees, or the scribes and chief priests here. In uh, verse number three or four, it says, When he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they knew the scriptures. They knew where he was supposed to be born. They knew the answers, but they didn't come to worship him. They didn't come to receive him. And, and it made me think, look, there's a lot of people who know a lot about Jesus. They know where he was born. They know what this day is supposed to be all about, but they have never personally received him as their king. I wonder if that describes you today. Maybe you know a lot about the Bible. Maybe you've heard a lot of preaching before. Maybe you're a member of this church, and you've never personally received the king. I Grew up in church. My parents thankfully took me to church really every Sunday and, and Wednesday night. And I uh, was faithful because my parents were faithful. And, and I had heard the gospel multiple, multiple times. But it wasn't until, and if you read the bulletin article this morning, you would, you would know that today is my birthday, but not my physical birthday. Now, today is the physical birthday of Miss Mary McCornack. So happy birthday, Miss Mary, and Miss Karen Douglas in our church. She's not here today. I think she's with family today, but it's her, it's her birthday as well. Uh, but it's my spiritual birthday. You see, 34 years ago, on Christmas Day, there at 806 East Lansford Street in Lancaster, California, we had done all our Christmas uh, festivities. All those were over. And uh, everybody was kind of in their own little area of the house. And I was in the dining room table by myself, dining room by myself. And I was going through a book that uh, my church had me go through. And, and I had to do different things. I was in uh, a, a boys program to try to uh, learn and grow. And, and one of the things that it, I, I looked at, there was a question that I had to fill out. And it said, please write the date that you received Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I came to that on Christmas night, 1988. I'm, I'm sitting there on Christmas night. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, whoa. I've heard the gospel so many times. I've heard about Jesus, uh, what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. And, and I, I've heard about it all. And, and yet, I don't know if there's ever been a moment, a time in my life where I made that decision to personally receive him as my Savior. And I remember thinking, wow, I've been going to church for 12 years and I don't think I ever made that decision. Well, if I make that decision right now and I write that date on there, then uh, people are going to look at that and they're going to come talk to me and they're going to say, I thought you had already been saved. I thought you'd already made that decision. Uh, but then I thought, you know what? Who cares if they talk to me about this? This is the most important decision of my entire life. I better not put this off. I better not wait. It's now because I may not have another chance. And so right then and there, again, I was by myself, but I turned my chair and I bowed my head and I said, Dear Lord, I realize what you did for me on the cross of Calvary, and right now I receive you into my life, into my heart. And please forgive me of my sin. Please be my Savior. Amen.
turned my chair around, and then I was like, here it goes, December 25th, 1988. Talk to me if you will, it doesn't matter anymore. I know I've taken care of the most important thing in my entire life. Have you? You, you may not remember the exact date like I do, and that's okay. Not everybody can remember the exact date. But can you remember a moment, a time in your life when you made that decision where you personally received the king into your life? Because look, knowing about the king, I mean, the chief priests and the scribes, they knew about him, but they didn't personally receive him. What about you? You may know a lot about him, but have you personally received him? More and more people are giving gift cards for Christmas presents, and maybe you received some, maybe you have gifted some this year. And uh, this has kind of a, you know, been a pretty popular thing in recent years. But one of the surprising things about gift cards is how often people fail to use them. The Journal of State Taxation reported that the average American home has $300 in unused gift cards. Often the use of cards is not simply delayed. It just simply never happens. I'll give you an example. I received from my dad for, Chris, for my birthday back in September a gift card to Chick-fil-A and a gift card to Subway. Well, we put them in the office area, and it kind of got buried. And my wife just this past week pulled them out. And she says, Eric, I want to sh- you want some good news and some bad news? And she had some bad news to share with me in the, in the office about some bills and such. But then uh, she said, I have some good news. Here's those birthday cards you were asking about. And I was like, oh, yeah, Chick-fil-A, Subway. Well, guess where I went the next day for lunch? I went to Chick-fil-A and got me a spicy deluxe chicken sandwich. Sorry, you can't have it today. They're closed. Um, <laughs> But look, often the use of cards is not simply delayed. It just never happens. One estimate, reveal, one estimate reveals that between uh, 2005 and 2011, this is a mind-boggling stat, $41 billion in gift cards went unused. That represents a lot of gifts that were available but did not benefit the intended recipient. Look at friend. God came for you. But he does no good if you don't receive him. So today, on Christmas Day 2022, I can't think of a better Christmas gift that you could ever receive than to receive God's Son. Uh, The Apostle Paul said, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. It's unspeakable because it's just amazing. It's hard to really put into words how wonderful it is to know that you are a child of God, that you have a home in heaven, and that your sins are forgiven. It's hard to explain. So this morning, what is our choice regarding the king? Well, number one, receive him as your king. And number two here, regard him as your king. Regard him as your king. Look, he came to not just be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He came to be the king of your heart, the king of your life, and the king of mine. Are you allowing him and are you regarding him as your king? To be the one who is in literally in charge of your life. Herod didn't want anybody else being in charge. He liked to be the one large and in charge. And there's a lot of us who also like to be on the throne of our life. 
And uh, we have maybe this, this, the bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot. But we still like to be in the pilot seat. We still like to have the yoke that we can grab and say, okay, Lord, that's not the way I want to go. We're okay with him being in the passenger seat, but we want to have the steering wheel. But God, or the Lord Jesus came not just to be the King of Kings and the, the Lord of Lords, but he came to be the one who takes control of your life. And so, are you allowing him to do that? Jesus said in Luke 6.46, he said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? There's a lot of people and Christians, I believe, who have received him personally, but when it comes to their day-to-day -day life, they yes, they call him Lord, Lord, but they do not the things that he says. They're not really regarding him as the king of their life. And I want to encourage all of us to allow him to have his will and way in our life. To really say, Lord, I'm going to let you lead whether I like it or not. It, whether you lead me beside the still waters, the green pastures, the paths of righteousness, or the valley of the shadow of death, in making no difference to me, I'm going to let you lead and guide me. A lot of us are like, hey, I'll be okay as long as we're, you know, hanging around the still waters and the green pastures. But the valley of the shadow of death, eh. <laughs> let's, let's go back to the still waters, can we? Let, let him be the king. He deserves to be. That's his title. Let him be in your life. So what's the choices that we need to make? We need to receive him as our king. We need to regard him as our king. And then thirdly, we need to respond in worship. Once we recognize the fact that this little boy, this little baby, was placed in Bethlehem's manger, is not just an ordinary little baby boy, but this is the Son of God. This is the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, we, we ought to respond like these wise men did in verse number 11. When they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. They bowed down. They were willing to worship him and in a posture of, of worship. Um, you know, I, I would dare say uh, that in a lot of churches, there's worship, the worship part of the service. They would, they would dedicate to jumping up and down and, and, and all those things. And, and I, I'm, I'm for, you know, having life and all that. But, but here, when they worshiped and they recognized who he really was, they fell down and worshiped him. That's significant. It's good for us once in a while to simply bow the knee before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Too many of us were too proud to do that. But He deserves for us to worship Him in a posture of worship. But not only did they fall down and worship Him, they also opened their treasures and they presented unto Him gifts. He, here's the thing. Um, today is his birthday. And, you know, I want to just mention uh, these, these wise men. It, it's interesting to know that these wise men came to Jesus for not what they could get. 
but for what they could give. And a lot of us, we look at the Lord as kind of our uh, genie in a bottle. And I, I mentioned this uh, back at a uh, previous um, message. He, he's not a genie in the bottle. He's the Lord of glory. He's the creator. And these men recognized that, and so they offered him gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And Charles Spurgeon said this, Those who look for Jesus will see him. Those who truly see him will worship him. Those who worship him will concentrate, consecrate their substance to him. In other words, they'll say, hey, look, what I have really isn't even mine to begin with. It was him who gave it to me, and so it belongs to him, and so I want to consecrate it back to him as part of my worship. I don't know if you've experienced that even maybe this year where there's somebody on your Christmas gift list that is impossible to buy for because they already have everything they need. Um, I, I don't know if that's how my kids feel about me, uh, but um, it, it's sometimes very difficult. You're like, man, I don't know what to get this person because really anytime they need something, they just go out and buy it and they don't really need anything. So what could I give them? Um, well, have you ever thought that it's difficult? Or, I'm sorry, well, if you think that's difficult, have you ever asked yourself, what do you get, God? I mean, what would you give to the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mind? Uh, what, what do you get the Lord of glory? Well, not that he needs it. We should give him our time, spending time with him, investing time with God. You say, well, that's not really accomplishing anything when I read God's word, when I pray when I am memorizing the scripture, when I'm studying the word of God, it doesn't really accomplish anything like substantial in my life. You're investing, you're giving time to God. And by the way, he does bless it in other ways. But um, I would say give, giving him our time, giving him our talent. God has gifted each and every one of us with abilities. I, I think of all these reality TV shows that have come on in the last 20 years, the America's Got Talent and American Idol and all, all the other ones. Um, and, and we do see that God has gifted some of these people, but they're using it for themselves. Where are the, where are the Christians who would say, Lord, I've got, you've given me some talents. I want to use it for you. And these wise men said, hey, we're not here to get, we're here to give. And we can give our time, our talent, and our treasure, of course. He desires it, and he deserves it, because it is his birthday after all. How awkward would it be if you were invited to a birthday party and you came empty-handed for the birthday person? Uh, it's the Lord's birthday. And I know we like to get gifts during this time of year, but remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said it's, more blessed to give than to receive? Yes, that has to do with giving to others, but it also has to do with giving to the Lord. I like to receive from the Lord, but I also, it is blessed when we do give back to Him. It is more blessed to give. So this Christmas, as we consider the birthday of the King, can I encourage you to make the right choice today? The choice to receive Him as your Savior, as your King. Have you done that? If not, today would be a great opportunity to do that. Because look at no one here is guaranteed a tomorrow. 
we have the gift of today, which is why it's called the present. So let's receive the gift that he has uh, been offering to us. Let's not be guilty of like having all these uh, gift cards laying around the house that never get used. I mean, the gift of Christmas is for everybody, but not everybody has taken advantage of it. Can I encourage you to take advantage of it today and receive it for yourself? And then choose to regard him as your king. Allow him to be the one who is literally in charge of your life. Uh, stop trying to take control because I guarantee you're not doing a great job. He'll do a much better job than you if you just simply trust him and allow him to lead and guide. And then choose to respond in worship like the wise men, to bow before him, to love and adore him, and to give him the gifts he so richly deserves. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for the birthday of the king a chance as a church family to celebrate this together. But Lord, as we consider that, we're so thankful that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was willing to come down to this earth, to take on human flesh, to dwell among us, to live a perfect and sinless life and then be crucified on the old rugged cross and then rise again the third day. Lord, we're so thankful for that. We're thankful for the fact that you came that you fulfilled all of those promises. You came in a very humble place, but for a wonderful purpose. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to make the right choice when it comes to receiving you, when it comes to regarding you as king in our life, when it comes to responding in worship. Help us to do all of those things. Thank you for what you did. Now, Lord, the ball is in our court. Help us to make the right choice.